thank you very much, and thanks uh, to everyone who has joined us um, today. I'm Blake Rutherford, and I am pleased to um, be with uh, some of my colleagues today, Mark Alderman, Howard Schweitzer, and uh, Jimmy Schultz. Guys, uh, good to be with you on uh, yet <laughs> another interesting uh, day in the life of this presidential race. Um, I, you know, here we are. At, at, a week ago, we were together, and I, I, I really wasn't sure that this race could take any more interesting turns. But in a very short time, we have seen just, I mean, some titanic level evolutions in this race. And before we get to last night's debate, which um, is worthy of four hours of conversation today, uh, I want to talk about the things that led up to last night's debate that influenced and impacted the strategies of both candidates. And then I want to talk about outcomes. Um, so uh, let, me, let me start here because I am very curious, and, and we've all been following this closely, uh, but I'm curious, and Mark, I want to start with you. I'm curious about what do you make of, you know, everything leading up to that debate? Um, what was the what is the what is the impact of Trump's taxes? What is the impact of the Miss Universe fight? What is the impact of the tape? And then what is the impact of Trump's bizarre press conference before the debate? I mean, any one of those events on their own um, has the potential to just really influence um, the race. And yet we have we had all of that in a very short period of time. And finally, of course, Hillary Clinton's um, speech to Goldman Sachs that leaked, which shed some light on some issues that were critical in the, in the Democratic debate. Mark, I want to start there. A wild 72, uh, 96 hours in this presidential race. What, what, what do you make of it? Well, Blake, it's good to be with you and Howard and Jim again. And let me just briefly try to be factual and just frame the discussion today. We are 29 days out before all of the events of the weekend. All of the polling had Hillary Clinton up outside the margin of error. And critically, voting is taking place every day, some of it in the critical swing states. So before any of what happened in what was a very discouraging weekend of American politics, she was ahead outside the margin of error with votes being taken off the table every single day. So you have to ask in thinking about the weekend and then the debate, what happened that is going to help Donald Trump catch up. I think nothing is the one word answer to that. But that's the dynamic. She's ahead and then all this stuff happens. How is he going to catch up? That's the question we should talk about today. And and we will we will certainly do that in light of in light of the uh, of the debate last night um, cuz certainly I want to get everyone's take on did he help himself? He clearly needs to. And Mark, I want to just 
follow up on a point and then bring Howard and Jim into this discussion. When you talk about the polls um, leading, heading into the weekend, Hillary Clinton had a two-point lead in Florida. She had a 12-point lead in Pennsylvania. She had a four-point lead in Ohio. She had a two-point lead in New Hampshire. Um, she had an 11-point lead in Michigan. Um, Trump, at the same point in time, had a four-point lead in Iowa, um, he, and he was tied in Nevada and Colorado. So clearly he had a lot of work to do, Howard. And this is before the, I mean, this is before the tape, yeah. um, but this is also, um, <coughs> sir, excuse me, um, this is also before the debate. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of, of what has happened and, and in the context of, of Mark's helpful framing, um, what do you make of it? And did Trump leading, is he helping himself right now or is he still hurting himself? Well, I mean, maybe he helped himself a little bit last night to stop the bleeding, but other than the video, I think much of what you mentioned, Blake, is, is noise at this point. Nobody's, not nobody, but there is limited attention being paid to the kind of toing and froing of the the minutiae of this thing. It's There's a lot of noise. I would say even last night at the debate, a lot of it was just noise. I guess the other point I'd make is there, this isn't just a presidential election. It's a congressional election. It's many Senate seats up for election. And um, all sorts of down-ballot races. And believe me that the Republicans that have come out over the weekend condemning Trump and withdrawing their, withdrawing their endorsement, et cetera, they're not thinking about the presidential election. They're thinking about their own races. They're thinking about the down-ballot races. They're thinking about the future of the party. This, at, at this point, this is much more about the down-ballot races, in my opinion, than it is about the top of the ticket. And we'll come back to, we'll come back around to the, the impact this is having down-ballot. We've got some new data out this morning showing that Democrats now have their, their largest advantage that they've had all cycle in congressional preference. They're up seven, um, which is going to have a correlation to what happens, what happens out in the states, to your point. But Jim, you bring a really unique vantage point to this because you're, you're, you're connected to the Trump campaign. You are, you are, have a uh, an inside view that 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 many many people don't have. Um, all sorts of speculation uh, throughout the weekend. Um, you know, Howard Howard noted prominent Republicans backing away from Trump. Uh, question of whether Mike Pence would stay on the ticket. A question of whether Donald Trump would stay in the race. Um, I think after after last night's performance, we know two things to be absolutely true. One, Trump's not going anywhere, and Mike Pence isn't going anywhere. Um, but in your mind, has Trump looking 29 days ahead, is, is he in a position where he can make a race out of this race? I think we saw a downward spiral from the, the first debate the performance in the first debate, for whatever reason, whether 
it was a bad mic or he argued with the with the moderators that the moderator was biased or he just didn't do all that great of a job whatever your perspective is on it we saw that downward spiral um, beginning and then you know you had all of the things pile on piled on that you identified and to that point where the tape becomes exposed and that's the the bomb that we see in October and I think you know his reaction America's reaction to it in particular Republicans reaction to it including folks in southeastern Pennsylvania like Congressman Pat Meehan who doesn't have all that tough of a race doesn't need to to disavow Trump but he came out and said look these this this type of conduct is appalling uh, I don't uh, we need to focus on on um, bringing our party back together and that Donald Trump should withdraw and he's probably one of the most respected Republican officials in Pennsylvania and congressman like Charlie Dent who's been a never trumper all the time to- uh, the, the entire time um, coming out strongly against Donald Trump's candidacy you have Mike Pence who was clearly tentative and critical of Donald Trump um, and really waiting to see I think what happened on Sunday before he came out publicly today and said, look, he, he was remorseful enough. I'm going to stick with him. So up until last night, you, you saw, I mean, Donald Trump could have been in pieces uh, on that debate floor last night, but he wasn't. He gathered himself. He struck the right tone. Um, he, he performed very well under the circumstances. And the sideshow that took place before the debate was uh, just that. And I think it was you know, a big risk on his part and bring those women into a press conference setting. But in the end, it kind of, I think what could have been, what could have taken up half the debate in talking about Donald Trump's comments and Bill, Bill Clinton's infidelities and Hillary Clinton defending Bill Clinton was only about 20 to 25 minutes of the debate. It could have been a big, much larger chunk. Mark, I, 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 I want to get your, your reaction to that because, you know, one of the things that, that I, I sensed um, in last night's debate and, and, and to Jim's point, there, there, were really, there were really two Trumps. There was the first 30 minutes of Trump where he did exactly what um, the media had suggested that he would do, which is he went – he went very negative, very personal, culminating with a declaration that if Trump were president, Hillary Clinton would be in jail um, and that he would appoint a special prosecutor um, to look into look into the emails. Uh, but then there was an hour that, that came after. Um, you've been around this a long time, Mark. You've seen a lot of wild things in, in politics. Um, just handicap for me um, Trump's um, performance in the debate last night? Well, again, Blake, I'm going to put it back in the context with which we began. The question is, did he help himself? Did he close the several-point gap that had opened in the polls between him and Secretary Clinton as a result of the first debate and the tax issue in this universe and all the rest, and I remind you, before any polling has been done on the videotape right. uh, from Friday. Right. And my answer is no. 
No, he did not pick up a single vote last night. Now, he may not have lost a single vote last night. Plainly, he didn't lose any votes from his alt-right base, which I'm sure loved the prosecution of Secretary Clinton, beginning with Bill Clinton's behavior of 15 years or however many ago. But the question isn't, did he stop the bleeding? The question is, 29 days to go behind voting taking place every day, did Donald Trump last night move the needle in his favor with undecided voters, with voters who are today for Gary Johnson and tomorrow may move one way or the other? I don't think so. I think, uh, I think he did himself no harm. I think he did himself no good. But no harm isn't good enough. He needs to close this gap. And I, I don't think that happened last night. Yeah, I mean, I want to throw it back to you guys because I think, I think to, to, to think about this in a bit of a different context, first of all, Trump absolutely had to stop the bleeding or this thing was over. Um, and and so that I think the question now becomes, you know, to and sort of I, w- I want to get your reaction to Mark's point. But but the question becomes, number one, is he now looking he's got one more debate? He's got 29 days. Um, is there a way for him to now help himself? Jim? What he did last night was galvanize his base of support that was leaking. And I, I think that he did that successfully. Uh, he not only said that he would put Hillary Clinton in jail, but he also basically brought an indictment of her entire 30 years of experience and critiquing that and doing it, doing it uh, very well, quite frankly, and in a tone I think that was appropriate for the venue. Uh, I also think that you know the problem going forward for Donald Trump is going to be, we've already seen Paul Ryan today say that he's focusing on... Uh, maintaining the, the congressional majorities in the Republican Party. Uh, you're going to also see... Newsflash. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, you're also... It'll be anxious to see what the RNC does in terms of money and where they're going to put resources going forward. I suspect we're going to see something akin to 1996 with Bob Dole, where they're going to focus on trying to win the Senate and, and, and maintain the House. And I think that that's going to be... <coughs> Uh, whether that impacts Donald Trump or not, I'm not sure because he doesn't, to date, hasn't relied on on the television money that traditional politicians rely upon. Does it matter that you know the RNC is going to be focusing on bringing out all voters that are going to vote for their congressional representatives, notwithstanding the fact that they might not be Donald Trump supporters? It's going to be a big question mark because we've never seen this kind of support for someone in American politics where the party has essentially gone south on them. Can I? Can Howard. I, um, look, I think if you, if, you, if, if you look at last night as a, as a debate, and Mark, maybe it actually is high school. Um, <laughs> he, he, not even. He, he won, but, it, but it's not. And look, she went into last night um, needing him to stay in the race. 
She doesn't. Wait, yeah, but she I mean, doesn't. I mean, yeah, but, but let me let me let me stop that because this. I mean, first of all, it's 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 sort of a bizarre narrative that Trump ever was could get out of this race that he could ever be replaced yes. that he could ever be put on the ballot and the reality right. is that was never a reality it, chaos would reign right i mean but it's it, never a reality i mean it's, the, i don't i don't know i mean look he the, he may never he may never have been considering quitting but of course it's a possibility that a presidential candidate could get out of a race a month before the election and frankly she needs him to stay in the race because God knows what would happen, but if she wound up some way, somehow, uh, up against another Republican in November, she's much more vulnerable vulnerable than she is um, up against Trump. And if you don't think the Clintons are crafty enough to go into that debate thinking they want to find a way to keep a wounded guy in the race, you're kidding yourselves. So you think she 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 purposefully pulled back last night just to just to ensure that that Trump looks better than he might have otherwise looked. I think so. It's and, interesting. It's interesting. And also, she was in a little bit of a tough spot. I mean, look, she doesn't want to sit there and debate uh, the all the issues about Bill Clinton's past and. And she was much better off letting the video speak for itself, which is clearly why she didn't answer the first question by talking about the video. She wanted him to talk about that first. And look, I think the bottom line, Mark, to your point is if you were undecided, if you were undecided going into last night, I think your decision today is to stay at home and sit on your couch. It's not to pull the lever for her. It's not to pull the lever for him. It's not to vote. There was a lot of noise. I think it was noise. And what that debate did last night more than anything else was turn people off. Well, stop the bleeding for him. I I agree. I did nothing to help herself. Yeah, Mark, go ahead. Well, I was simply going to say this is going to be, thank God, one of the least consequential and most forgettable debates in presidential uh, history. It it was sad to watch. It was dark. The American people deserve better. There was nothing optimistic or aspirational about it. And I think it came and went. I think that what preceded it is going to continue. I think there will be more. That was an October surprise on Friday. It wasn't the only October surprise we are going to see. Whether the future surprises are good for one or the other remains to be seen. But, but I think, as I've been trying to say, I think as Howard and Jim have said, this isn't a snapshot. It, it's a moving picture. The snapshot maybe won, maybe didn't. I don't think he did. By the way, even in a high school debate, I don't think... He won, but I don't think that matters because the picture continues to move. We're going to get polls out well, in the next couple of days post Billy Bush videotape. And I think maybe, maybe the bleeding has stopped, but 
we don't even know yet what bleeding happened from Friday right. to Sunday. Well, Mark, and that's where and I want to... The one certainty, the one certainty is that we're going to wake up on Thursday, Friday morning, and she is still going to be ahead by a couple of points. And I ask again, what's going to change that? Well, that's, yeah. that's the question for for October. I think, and we're starting to get some of that data. NBC News just just released the findings of, of a poll they took after the tape. Um, Hillary's got an 11-point lead nationally, mm. um, which is significant. Yeah. Huge. Um, and yeah. um, so, and so, so... Cut it in half. Let's say it's wrong by an order of two. Cut it in half. A five- or six-point lead right. is... higher than President Obama beat Mitt Romney. Right. And and this is where this is where Howard and Jim, I want to I want to bring you back in because I want to I want to narrow this a little bit because I want to put these numbers into context. I mean, we we can we can debate all day long about about, you know, where we really think Florida is, where we really think Ohio is. Um, But let's let's come back to Pennsylvania, Jim, because you. You, you made note of, of some folks there. We've got a, we've got a very competitive center race. Um, Hillary Clinton, let's, let's say it's right. She's got an 11-point lead nationally. She's up 12 points in Pennsylvania. Um, very difficult for Republicans, no matter what you say or do, to compete in that kind of an environment. I, I think that our congressional delegation is safe on the Republican side notwithstanding and I think the th- this will never be a 12 point spread in this in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania uh, that would be the landslide of all landslides I don't think we see the enthusiasm coming out of the city coming out of the suburbs for Hillary Clinton uh, we're gonna see a ton of enthusiasm for Donald Trump in the central and western part of the state some of that's gonna balance out and I'm by no means saying that Donald Trump's gonna win Pennsylvania but I think that he could, he could keep it close within three to four points. If it's three to four points, at the end of the day, Pat Toomey is remains senator, and and there might be some evil, even some upward, uh, you know, even if it's a larger spread than that, Pat Toomey still may pull it out. It's interesting because if you if you again consider where this race is trending um, and where the polls are and. And even if you were to you were to knock off the margins in Pennsylvania, she's still up eight. It's a tighter race in Alaska um, between Clinton and Trump than it is in Pennsylvania, which is which is just in and of itself remarkable. Um, but Howard, I want to I want to come back to you and and what we saw last night that you know from Hillary Clinton's perspective because mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we look at the data, CNN did a did a flash poll. Um, she won the debate, you know, handily by 23 points, 57 to 34. Mm-hmm. Uh, YouGov did a flash poll a little bit closer. Hillary Clinton uh, by five, 47 to 42. Um, it was the most talked about debate uh, in the history of Facebook. Um, 76% of all conversations, likes, shares on Facebook, though, were about Donald Trump. We, and you have said yeah. many, many times in our calls the thing about Trump is when he opens his mouth, people want to hear what he has to say. And we talk a lot about him, but I do want to come back to Hillary and in and, and, and that dynamic. What do you think she did well during the debate? I thought she did one thing exceptionally well, which is uh, a particular policy point. 
She look if you step away, if we all step out of the mud for a second, and and dust ourselves off, <laughs> this is still a general election where Hillary Clinton is trying to bring independent voters over to her side. And I said last week on our call about Bill Com Bill Clinton's comments on Obamacare that those may have been intentional, and I think actually were his comments about Obamacare being the craziest thing in the world. They still want to pull people that maybe don't like Obamacare, that being one of the most divisive policies we've seen over the last eight years of the Obama administration over to their side. What did she do last night? She said at one point that they will fix Obamacare. That's huge. That is huge. It would, to me, Yes, maybe it was lost in all the noise and clutter of the debate, but I thought that that was one of the most significant points. And it telegraphs to people who are sitting out there on the fence who don't know what to do. Hey, we get that there are problems. Come over to our side. We'll fix them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, though, comes Blake, back I, to... I think. Yeah, I, hold on one second, Mark. I'm going to let Jim, Does, Jim chime in, and then I'll get to you. It, it's a brilliant move on her part. Do people... Believe it or not, is the question, right? Bill Clinton saying one thing, she's saying another. She says something in her Wall Street interview that she can that that they can that they can uh, that they that she can take two different positions publicly and privately. All that feeds into the narrative. I don't think that helps her in the trustworthiness category, and isn't going to get people that are otherwise independents to come over to her side. I think it's a smart move. I just don't think she can pull it off. Mark, this isn't a trust election. Yeah, nobody trusts either one of these people. Yeah. nobody trusts Washington. So well, yeah. that's, that's, that's yeah, that's what I was going to say, Mark. Mark, I want to I want to bring you back into this yeah. on, on on that point. Well, let I think unsurprisingly that a call among lawyers is focusing a lot on words and what was said. I think that maybe the most significant dimension of last night's debate was visceral. It was the image of each of them on that stage. I think for the second straight debate, Hillary Clinton looked presidential, as we say. Hillary Clinton had stamina. Hillary Clinton was articulate. Hillary Clinton was composed. Hillary Clinton was informed. I think she presented herself, apart from the particular words, in a very stable and very reassuring manner. Donald Trump, I don't think, did. I think in the first debate, he, he, when you turn the sound down and just watch the visual, it wasn't reassuring. Last night, the way he stalked her, literally, on the stage, the way he loomed over her as she was speaking, I think presented a, a very negative image, a very visceral image that that I think is is not again is not in any manner going to bring around any of those voters he needs to close the gap. You know, it, one of the things that we have seen, and I'm curious both Jim and Howard, whether you whether you think this will continue, and it, it touched on it um, at the beginning of the call, or the number of prominent Republicans who are disavowing themselves of Trump, uh, some who are 
running for re-election, which in, in John McCain being a very prominent, notable example, um, but many who are not, everyone from you know, Mitt Romney to, um, to Bill Kristol to lots of folks that sort of cover that, what, what you would describe as the you know, intellectual elite, um, and I don't mean that disparagingly, just the guys who were thought leaders in that party. And, um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we always, we always wonder how much endorsements matter. National Review does a negative endorsement of Trump, doesn't pick a candidate. Newspapers across the, you know, traditionally conservative-leaning editorial pages of newspapers are not necessarily all endorsing Hillary, but they're certainly not endorsing Trump. The Arkansas Democrat Gazette, which is no fan of the Clintons whatsoever, uh, first published, uh, we're not, neither, neither of these candidates is, is for us, and then today publishes a follow-up editorial that says Trump needs to get out. Um, so, I mean, there is a real there there, at least uh, among a segment of the Republican Party that has up until now, and I think we could always talk about how much has changed, and I want to get to that, Jim, because, again, you've been, you, you, you know this good and well. But do you, do you sense that we're going to see more of that today, tomorrow, the next day? We're going to see more prominent defections, do you think? I do. Yeah. I do. I think you're going to see more and more of it. Paul Ryan essentially gave license to Congress to do just that, to the Republican delegation in Congress to do that today, and, and will be emerging as the leader of this party. Uh, Donald Trump was never the leader of the Republican Party. Um, whether Donald Trump wins or loses, who carries the, the mantle of the Republican Party, you know, it, it remains in question. Is it, is it the conservative wing? Is it Ted Cruz uh, and, and Lee side of the party? Is it the Romney-Ryan uh, part of the side of the party. I think Ryan emerges as the leader of this party without question, no matter what happens on election day, and is giving license to his delegation to do what they need to do to maintain a strong majority. And yeah, Howard, what's the yeah? You know, what are what are the what are the implications of that? I mean, if 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 twenty nine days from now this goes the way that we we see the data certainly indicating to us. Um, and and this is a this is a pretty easy ultimately a pretty easy electoral victory uh, for Hillary Clinton. You know, Paul Ryan becomes um, the leader of the GOP. What what are the ramifications of that on the Hill inside the Beltway where you work and play? Well, what's that dynamic look like? Well, two things, Blake. First, Paul Ryan has never been interested in getting Donald Trump elected president of the United States. I mean, never. He and every other congressional Republican have been focused on preserving their majority in the House and the Senate. That's it. And it is much better for the Republicans in Congress to have four years of Hillary Clinton than four years of Donald Trump. And so while some may have pretended for their own electoral purposes to be quote unquote endorsing him, it was it was never about that. If they could have held the election three months ago and had Hillary Clinton win, they would have been happy. Yeah. Look, Paul Ryan is going to have a very difficult job to do on January 21st, 2017. It's um, assuming that the Republicans maintain their majority in the House, which is highly likely, but not completely out of the realm of possibilities that they lose it. Um, he's gonna have a, a, a smaller majority. 
and a majority that's more difficult to to govern and it's going to make uh, things very difficult for him personally on the flip side if you have a Hillary Clinton presidency a Chuck Schumer majority leader in the United States Senate and Paul Ryan Speaker of the House on that level those are three people that can get stuff done those are three people who have worked across the aisle sure they're all self-promoters every politician is a self-promoter sure they're gonna be asserting their own policy priorities and they're in different positions of strength based on based on where they sit but this town is going to be open for business under that scenario yeah and, which, and which that's is a what bit I of expect. a different feel right yeah, very I mean, different a, but mark i want to i want to come back because jim and jim and howard have talked about this from the house side i do want to i do want to talk about it from the senate side one get your thoughts you, you you've said before and um and and i suspect we'll, we'll we'll continue to agree with yourself the the senate goes the way of the presidency which is to say whoever wins the pres the party that wins the presidency is going to win the senate um i wanted to wanted to get your thoughts about that and, and kind of preview um what what you think um a a, a senate led by by chuck schumer in the context of of paul ryan on the other side of the house um begins to look like well i think I agree with myself, Blake, but I'm not sure. <laughs> this is such a confusing year that I'm not even sure I agree with myself anymore. I did believe that whomever won the White House would carry the Senate. I think if you just broke it down state by state where Trump or Clinton would need to win to take the White House, you would find the handful of seats that uh, will determine Senate uh, majority would follow the top of the ticket. But something happened this weekend that may change that, candidly, which is there's only 29 days left, but there's still 29 days left. And as more Republicans bail on the top of the ticket, as more Republicans walk away from Donald Trump as Pat uh, me and did as Pat Toomey, Jim, I expect will before this is over. I think that some of those embattled Republicans in states like New Hampshire and Pennsylvania uh, are are possibly helping their chances and are possibly going to be the beneficiaries of ticket splitting and and you could see uh, you could see the senate go either way if more and more republicans defect it's mad i would handicap i would handicap the the senate right now as a, as close to a coin toss yeah i think you know, pennsylvania is a t- ticket splitting state we see it all the time um in especially in the midterm elections and i think you're going to see it heavily in this election where you know, folks voting for Hillary Clinton are going to be voting down ticket for Pat Toomey and Pat Meehan and the rest of the congressional delegation there. It's something we're maybe looking at in Nevada, too, and in New Hampshire as well. Um, perhaps but, North Carolina, even, where you've got you've got these states where the trend is in Hillary's favor, but there is that, that dynamic that you two guys have talked about. How yeah. I mean, look, you have, you have uh, six toss-up seats in the Senate, essentially. So... 47 safe seats on each side and six toss-ups. And Mark, as you've said in our prior calls, Chuck is 
Trump is pretty much struck at stuck <laughs> at about 40% in the polls. The yep. the Republic incredibly enough, he will have this week also. That's a right. astonishing exactly. fact. But he'll he'll still be at 40% it, after all of the above. Th- this is math. And the Republican congressional candidates have to significantly outrun Trump in order to win. That's all that this comes down to. And the further Hillary Clinton pulls away, the less likely that becomes. Let's say Hillary wins and they split the six toss-up seats, three each. Well, the Democrats control the Senate. So I really think that if she wins, the Democrats are in control. Well, and, and, and again, it sets up to, to you know to each of your each of your points are really interesting and perhaps particularly for the first time in a while, um, maybe workable and constructive dynamic in Washington, where if you are if you have a good understanding and 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 working relationship with the speaker on the House side and can do the same with the majority leader, the White House is, is going to try and get something done, get some things done. Yeah. And 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 I wonder. Um, you know what that might look like. Certainly, infrastructure well, is something we talk about a lot. Tax reform, no infrastructure playing off it, one another. Yeah, Mark. I, I'm sorry. What did Jim just say? I said it's going to be tax reform and infrastructure playing off of one another. And, and, if, and, if the, and, and one other thing, you will see immigration reform. I believe if Hillary Clinton is the president, Chuck Schumer is the majority leader, and Paul Ryan is the Speaker of the House. You will finally see immigration reform. I don't know that it is the bill that the president and the Senate sent over to the House uh, where Ryan couldn't move it, wanted to, but couldn't move it. It may be a different path, but I think infrastructure tax reform I, and immigration are are the first hundred days. I, I, I don't I disagree on the immigration point. I think if we've learned anything from Obama's presidency, it's not to put all your eggs in one basket at the outset of your presidency. And she is not going to make the Obamacare mistake that he made in terms of you know mortgaging his entire presidency to get Obamacare done. She is not going to bring that divisive an issue out of the gate to the American people. She's just not. Well, I totally disagree with that i'm happy to have one of our dinner bets on it i (laughs) believe it is not as divisive an issue on november 9th as it is on november 6th it's the premise Uh, of republicans need it it's the the premise of his entire campaign i think and it's being rejected howard not by 40 percent of the people but those 40% of the people aren't going to stop it in the House led by Paul Ryan, where he knows that his future, I'm, I'm channeling you now. He never wanted Trump. This is all about his future. And he knows that he needs to deliver immigration reform if he wants to be elected president in 2020 or 2024. And I'll bet you one of our dinners that, that that's the first hundred days. Well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see, right, Jim? I mean, you're, you're, you've got a good well, sense of 
I mean, Jim, I, you've got a good sense of what the speaker's starting to think about. He's got to he's got to manage his way through these next twenty nine days. Um, but then, but then it's agenda setting, right? And and it is it is very much we know where Paul Ryan's going to be the day after election day. We know he's going to be Speaker of the House in control. I mean, I, none of you I've heard on any call seem to think, even despite these numbers, that the House is the House is in jeopardy, and Paul Ryan would find himself somehow as the minority leader after after election day. So he's the Speaker of the House. He's got to set his own agenda and figure out what the politics of that look like. I think Mark raises an interesting point because I think he's foreshadowing what this election has told us about the GOP. And Jim, this is where I really want to go because we are 29 days from now going to have some dynamic of a Republican Party. Maybe Paul Ryan steps up to lead it. But boy, it's going to be fractured. And it's fractured around some really divisive stuff. And I'd be interested to get your thoughts about what is what do Republicans do the day after Election Day to get beyond what Donald Trump has done to the Republican Party? I don't think she comes in with a mandate. Obama came in with a mandate. Tremendous political strength. Regardless of what the outcome of Election Day is, you know, her win is going to be somewhat dismissed because they picked the, 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 the voters picked the lesser of two evils. That puts Paul Ryan in a pretty politically strong spot in terms of being able to work with her to mold this agenda going forward and get some wins for the Republican Party on tax reform, which is near and dear to his heart and very important to him and the delegation. Uh, so I, I do believe that there's going to be some give and take on, on infrastructure and tax reform, whether they take on the hot button issue of immigration. I don't know that that's the first hundred days issue, but it's certainly going to be looming out right. there. And there's going to be calls from, you know, folks that, you know, have to go back to their constituencies that are that are you know bothered by the way that the immigration uh, system works now, uh, and and have to be answerable to them. So it, it's going to be looming out there for some. We time. also have to fill a Supreme Court vacancy. Well, in in which 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 will which as we know as we know will have political ramifications whether she sticks with the Merrick Garland nomination or goes or goes in but, another direction. Mark, I want to bring you back in. Well, Blake, you are presuming, which I think is likely but not certain, that that vacancy isn't filled in the lame duck. Oh, that's well. That's an excellent point, Mark. I, 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 as soon as I, as soon as I finished, I thought to myself, well, there's a, there, there's a caveat there, and and I'd love to get your, I'd love to get all of your thoughts about that because we haven't really talked about the Supreme Court in a while. This vacancy, which we, if people thought might be a political issue, doesn't even come up. It doesn't yeah. come up in the debates. It's not. On not top a galvanizing of voters, right? It's issue. not a galvanizing issue. A 4-4 court has proven to be functional um, in this time. But Mark, what do you think? Do you think that uh, that there's a chance that that the Republicans move on move on Garland before the end of the lame duck? I think there's a chance. I think it's probably not happening. I'd handicap it at a one in three chance, but that's still a real chance that that Mitch McConnell decides this guy's better than what we're going to get and let's just start clean with the new administration and let's put it, let's give him a vote. I think if McConnell gives him a vote, he'll be confirmed. Well, it's interesting. And, and that's, that's one of the, one of the many things to, to think about before we, before we end our, our time um, today, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, 
spoil the ending here. We do have 29 days and another presidential debate to come. I'd love to get, and Howard, I'll start with you. I'd love to just get your thoughts. What happens next? <laughs> what, what, what in, 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 you know, whether it's the next 24 hours or 24 days, that, uh, what happens next? <laughs> There's a, clearly a, a certain measure of just general unpredictability about this right. election, and that, that would be the understatement of the century. So I won't try to even try to predict what may happen in, in, in the short term or, or in the next 20, 29 days from a kind of bombshell perspective. Um, in terms of what Hillary is going to do, she's going to continue to run the play she's been running, which is to say that he's unfit to be president, to show that he's unfit to be president, to try to appeal to general election voters by pivoting on things like like Obamacare. He's going to continue to try to tar and feather her around the emails and the Goldman speeches. And they're going to essentially run the the play that they that they tried to run last night. The third debate will 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 come and go. And People will cast their ballots. Meanwhile, the um, congressional races are going to be just dogfights, and that may not capture the front page headlines because Clinton and Trump are are are, are Clinton and that. Trump. Yeah, <laughs> but but that's where all the action is. Jim, what happens next? Well, Hillary Clinton said it last night. She said, "This thing's you know, paraphrasing has been so mean and nasty because the stakes are so high." And I think it's going to continue to be more mean and more nasty from both sides. I think the candidate herself, I think Howard's right, is going to try to pivot. But we're going to see some nasty things coming out from the Clinton camp, more bombs that are going to be dropped on on Donald Trump. And the same thing, death by a thousand cuts from the Trump camp and WikiLeaks. I think you'll see that more and more, regardless of what happens on Election Day, if Hillary Clinton is the president-elect after Election Day, she is going to be battered without a doubt. And I think it puts Paul Ryan and the Republicans in a pretty good spot uh, going into January. Mark, what happens next? Donald Trump is going to have another bad week. We're going to see the polls that reflect the videotape, and they're going to be bad. And his numbers are getting worse, not better. I think that by the end of the week, the race is going to settle in with her comfortably outside the margin of error. And then we're going to wait for something else surprising, unpredictable to happen. And whatever it is, will be bad. That's the one thing we, we can all agree on. There's nothing good that's coming between now and November 8th. By November 8, 40% of the American people who are going to vote will already have voted. And I'm, I'm counting down these days. We all need this thing to be done. <laughs> well, it, um, you know, I, it sounds like from, from your perspective, it is going to be a noisy and, and muddy um, fight to the finish here between these, between these candidates. It's certainly not the last time we'll be together talking about it. We've got a presidential debate coming up on the 19th. Um, our next call will be on the 20th. Um, and then we're going to do something fun. So for everybody um, who is who is in Philadelphia listening live, 
Uh, today we're gonna do um, we're gonna do a live show. It's gonna be like a Prairie Home Companion, except it's gonna be this, um, and we're gonna do it from Philadelphia. We'll have we'll have more about that um, in the next week or so. So to the extent uh, you're in town, um, you can you can come come watch watch us live and uh, and hear our predictions, which will be which will be all kinds of fun. Well, guys, look, it's been um, I mean a never ending. Um, uh, never-ending political season it seems but we are less than a month away um it may uh that may be merciful um and 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 good for for all of us but it's not going to be without interest and intrigue so i look forward um to the next debate i look forward uh to the next call and as always um great to be with y'all jim thanks for joining us um today and certainly thanks uh to everyone who's listened in we really appreciate it comments and questions are Always welcome presidential analysis at Cozen.com, and we look forward to our next call. So thank you.